Welcome back to episode 12 of Performax Science Radio. In an industry that is hell-bent on the craft of sets and reps, Nick and I sit down to discuss the often overlooked qualities and skills needed to run the business side of coaching. At Performax, our opinion is your business skill set is just as important as your coaching skill set. And today, we touch on the business skills and qualities you need to have longevity in a saturated industry with high turnover. So get stuck in and hope you enjoy this week's episode. Alrighty, and welcome back to another episode of Performax Science Radio. I am joined with Nick today. Nick, how are you on this Friday afternoon? Big MR, I'm well, mate. How are you? I am well. You're in Ohio, aren't you? I am up and about. I don't know if anyone Get around him. Uh, AFL fan by any stretch of the imagination, but we're uh, recording this on Friday. So last night, Thursday night, first elimination final, um, Brisbane versus Richmond. And Brisbane came through at the very end in oh, just Got the cinematic, cinematic form. It was, it was one of the best games I've ever seen. I was up and about. I lost control of my nervous system. I was just, yeah, it was one of the, it was one of the best games I've ever seen. I know your brother, um, the white man, he's a very avid uh, supporter of the Richmond Football Club. So yeah, for me been, and the rest of the that. Brisbane Lions crew, and you know what? Even the rest of the AFL community sucked in. <laughs> How's he feeling? Have you spoken to him at all? No, nah, mate. He, I think he was a bit drunk last night. So he was sending me a few he was. messages. Yeah. <laughs> Where was it? So he didn't go to the game? I don't think so. I mean, he might have. He's a member. So I'd say he would have been close by somewhere he would have been trundling around he was probably trying to drink his sorrows away after probably. that absolute hizzling at the very end they were in front the whole game pretty much and then just at the very end big joe d gets his gets his slipper on one of them mm. and goes straight through two-point win what a beautiful perler. absolute perler absolute perler of a game anyways how's your week been yeah mate it's been good it's been um eventful a few different business things going on in the background but it's been pretty cool, yeah. I know, and also some exciting news as well. Um, we had Matt come over from yeah. Liverpool, England. UK Matt, we're going to Interna- call him. Yeah, international. He's, yeah, we're everywhere, these mats, you know. Mm. We're le- ledgers everywhere. But he's come over from, uh, come over from Liverpool and uh, looks like he's going to be starting with the company in December. Yeah, so he's... To come over to have a bit of a look at the team um, and what we do, I guess, and it's a little bit different from what they do in the UK, but it's all, I guess, a good learning experience for him. So, and he, I guess he can see the opportunity that exists here. So, it'll be good to have him, yeah. I know. He's gone from an avid podcast listener to now part potentially on the podcast. I yeah. wanted to get him on this afternoon, but he and he, took, I reckon he, he had a bit of stage half. fright. Yeah, well, he's given him, we'll give him three months to. Um, uh, to recuperate and do a little bit of practice for himself, but yeah, no, I'll be. I'm super excited to have him on board, and hopefully we can give him something to listen to for the uh, for the long flight home. Yeah, he need to load up a few podcasts for how long's the how long's the flight to England? I think it's tw- I think it's about twenty four hours. Yeah, twenty four hour I flight. Think that's what you're saying. Yeah. Oh well, my. I think if you join a few, it ends up being about that. But it's definitely oh, have to a s- long flight. I'll have to send him a few other podcasts to listen to as well. Maybe I can get one going for the um for the mentorship. Yeah. Speaking of segue, um, special announcement about the uh, mentorship program that will be starting on October third. We'll be kicking up kicking that off. So we finally got a date for that. So if you are looking 
to expand your skill set, expand your knowledge in the coaching uh, arena, we, should, we could say. Arena realm. <laughs> arena the realm. Um, yeah, just looking to expand your, your skill set in terms of uh, working in the industry that is health and fitness. If you're a personal trainer and you're looking to kind of upskill your knowledge a little bit and upskill your business a little bit, um, the mentorship is definitely something that would um, interest you. And if you are an exercise physiologist or exercise scientist who's at uni at the moment and you, or you're getting coming towards the end of university and you're looking to help uh, we'll get a kickstart into the industry as well and see what it's actually like and learn from people who are actually in the industry and doing it. Um, I definitely think this is for you. So I will put a link in the description and that should uh, link up to the website where all the information should be on there. And I'm pretty sure you can apply through the website as well. Yep. Yeah, so you can apply on there. Uh, otherwise, just reach out over socials. So that should be great as well. Um, any more news on that one at all? No, that's it. No more business-related news? Um, well, we are looking at obviously expanding our allied health sector of the business and potentially bringing on um, a dietetic service, which will be pretty exciting. Yeah, so that's, that is that's, pretty that's exciting. That's at the moment, I guess, um, which will be um, a good addition to the services we already offer and to cater for the clientele that do need that service. Um, yeah, watch out for that one. Yeah, so keep an eye on that one because it might not be too much longer so yeah awesome dietetics component i think that's obviously crucial to um anything when we talk about anything allied health health and fitness performance anything along those lines if your nutrition's not on point yes you need to obviously get your stuff uh your exercise stuff done in the gym but if you are not on point from a nutrition point of view you are leaving a lot on the table there yeah all right so Today, you pulled me aside. Well, not today. A while ago, you pulled me aside. He said, Matt, I'm sick of doing the podcast every week. Um, <laughs> um, I think this is something that you need to you need to take the reins of a little bit. You're bringing me on for all the, all the talent. Yeah, uh, you've got to diversify your portfolio. Expand the portfolio. Get a few... People different... are getting sick of listening to me, probably. <laughs> yeah. Too much business chat, probably. Yeah. You can do it. I said you can do it once a month with me, but... Yeah, exactly. Outside of that. Yeah, exactly. So we've um, decided I'm going to take the gear with me, get out of... Um, get out of town. Get out of town, get out of your place. On get a road a, trip. Got a few guests lined up uh, for the next coming episodes when we start pumping these out a little bit more regularly. Give the give people what they want, but um, but you pulled me so you said, look, I know you know I don't I don't want to be here on as much as I have been, but you know still keep me part of it. So maybe bring me back once a month, and we'll you know maybe have a little bit of chat about you know some business stuff that you've got on your mind. So you went to task and you wrote down a few questions for me that you want me to ask you. No, really? Is that? That's what we're going to go with for today. So I think once a month we'll come back on with, uh, we'll get back on the mics with uh, old Nicholas and we'll pick his brain. On we'll we'll just... have to get Kitty on. She's um she's avoiding the mic. She is avoiding, why is she avoiding the mic? Don't know, mate. Maybe she's got a bit of a secret. <laughs> I don't even know if you could say that, but whatever. All right. I'm... It's, mate, you your wife you do what you want but yes maybe we'll get kitty and uh, nick back on uh hopefully once a month and maybe we can chat all things kind of business related depends mate if the if the audience want it by popular demand they might they might um they might want to hear me a little bit more often than that so you know uh, mate, listen to them 
100 percent we're gonna have to yeah you're right you're right in in fact actually if the audience don't want to hear from nick ever again please please reach out please let me know and i will put a stop but they all they are dorsal tones so you know the dorsal tones of nicholas lancaster all right so nicholas what do you got for me with these questions that you didn't send me um the people want to know why should i invest time or money in yourself sorry let me read that one again these are you your spelling's not great all right so some questions roughly related around the business so why invest time or money in yourself and your skill set as a coach well i think it potentially might sound like an obvious question but for the most part if you are not invested in yourself and you're not constantly upskilling you're going to have a limited scope of practice first of all I think that's one massive component of that question. Um, I think investing in yourself long-term from a personal point of view as well is going to also help diversify your portfolio portfolio of attributes to that you can offer clients as well. So it's also going to help you on a communication level. Um, and I think, you know, if we're in, we're in a science-based industry, if you're not constantly learning different applications and different skill sets to apply to your clients and even people like you know from a management sense even how to how to constantly develop practitioners and, and a staff um and a staffing team it's just one of those things like you're not going to go anywhere um if you sit on your skill set and you rely on that for con- you know big big amounts of time you'll find that a lot of people will overtake you because people everyone around us is doing those things yeah uh, uh, from my point of view like why like if we want to answer the first part of that question like why invest time or why invest money into yourself i feel like so i feel like in the industry if you've got time and you are looking to learn invest that time go out and find go people out and do something for free like from a time point of view if you've got the time go out and you know find someone that you want to learn off and invest that time and you know if you have to get coffees for them to start off with it and just be around those kind of people do that do whatever you have to do. If you've got money and you don't have the time, like you were saying, um, invest the money in diversifying that skill set and that portfolio. Yeah, and yeah, if you don't have time, you got to spend that exactly. You got to spend money in order to make up for the time. So yeah. spending money will help shortcut the amount of time yeah. that you can go learn from these people. But I think an underrated uh, uh, skill set that will an underrated um, strategy that people are undervaluing is finding people who are in the industry. Yeah. that are doing what you want to do and going up to them and either interning for them mm. or volunteering your time exactly. to in for learning for those people like far out like a mad proximity to someone who is doing what they want to do you're going to learn so much exactly. like if you take just a basic skill if you take the you know you are always going to be the average of the five people you spend the most time mm. with almost always so if you really think about it you know think about your parents and think about kind of like your parents closest friends like they probably all roughly make mimic each other yeah mimic each other make the same money live in the same areas do the similar things so you know if you were you know close to elon musk all the time Mm. you know and you think about the people that he associates himself with the majority of the time i guarantee you they're probably all relatively successful people and because you're going to learn off each other and you're going to obviously help each other pull the way they want to do so if you lack experience in a certain area 
maybe it's, I don't know, for, if you're a coach out there or you're an exercise scientist, exercise physiologist, you know, and you need help with the more training side of things, I'd be going around and hitting people up on Instagram and asking, asking well, them well, if I can train. Well, yeah, that's one thing you can do. I think and, as well, like it's underrated because in, in this industry, uni, we think that uni teaches us, teaches us a skill set. Technically, it teaches us some foundational skill sets, but there's, you know, I think a lot of young guys out there are also scared of doing that and reaching out to people. Like if, if someone said that to me and said like, oh, can I do an internship? Can I do this? Can I do that? I'm, I'd be like, first of all, I'd be very grateful that they would have chosen me, but I'd be like more than more than happy to, you know, have them on board and, and teach them whatever they need to know, what they want to learn. And like you said, you're the sum of the, first, the five people that you hang around. So like attach yourself to someone. And I think as well, don't just go out there and find anyone. It's got to be someone that you will, you would trade places with. Don't take advice of people that you wouldn't trade places with. Don't just go out and find, you know, any willy-nilly EP or ex-science or business owner, whoever it might be, that isn't doing something that you want to do or you don't know how to do. I think that's a big part of it um, in finding the right person and potentially the right mentor as well. Yeah, exactly. But in saying that, you know, if you were going to volunteer your time for that person, you want to learn from that person, you probably need to offer that person something as well. Yeah. Whether that's you're going to help work with them or do things for them or whatever, whatever that is. Um, like, and that's where internships uh, um, can be really, really helpful um, in this industry. And then vice versa. Let's say I want to go learn from, I love Jordan Shallow. I think he's a kingpin of the, you know, strength and conditioning um, industry and or allied health and performance all of it biomechanics is is an absolute guru but if i'm messaging him and he doesn't get back to me he's going to just refer me to his courses mm. that he has and i'm like oh well okay now i can actually go and learn from he's basically put all of his learnings and put it into a course as well and same thing with us if you think we're kind of like the right uh or you like what we're kind of doing and we're offering and how we do things you want to go learn how we how we do uh, how we do it all or learn from us we have our courses like our mentorship program so i think you just need to find a balance between what you kind of have and what you don't have and at the end of the day an investment in yourself is you're going to get the biggest return on investment in uh out of anything you can do you know you go into the stock market you know maybe you get luck out in a stock you're going to get 20 percent your return on investment or something like that potentially unless you're really good like nathan song and you got you know your finger on some inside knowledge or inside trading or whatever the hell he's doing running pump and dumps everywhere or whatever the hell it is uh or you can you know pay for something that where you've invested in yourself and then you can use that knowledge to create you know a hundred and hundred times 110 200 times 300 times a thousand times depending how far you want to take it So the best investments I've ever made have been the ones that I've um, made in myself where I've gone out and learned externally um, or volunteered my time to come and learn from other people just to get an idea of what the industry is uh, early on anyway. I think it's also about perspective as well. A lot of people probably don't understand and, and understand how real like it, the industry is as well. Like it's also going to give you that reality. Like I'm talking, you know, spending more time with one of us or one of our practitioners I actually remember when I was um, studying, I did my, I did my prac at you know an exercise physiology clinic, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't know if I, this is what I want to do. So, but it gave me a realistic idea of what it was like. Um, then obviously I changed my mind and I went to sport and the rest of it. But um, it's just it gives you a good 
understanding of what the industry is actually like at the time and like a, a, a reality check in a way. Yeah. Well, that kind of probably leads me into my next question where it is. So when we talk about um, skill, like skill sets that kind of you need to be a good coach in this industry, um, what do you is what do you believe is more important for longevity as a practitioner? Do you believe it's more you need to develop your coaching skill set or is it more important to um, develop your business skill set? That's a tough question. You obviously need both, um, but there's no perfect practitioner. So if you think about it from a, you know, a results point of view, obviously you need to have a good skill set, but if you can't have that client committing to the journey and having the buy-in, like we always talk about, perceiving them and showing them value at the same time, that, there's a the business skill set from that perspective as well. Um, I think if you're going to choose one over the other, initially, you want to have a good business skill set because you, you've obviously got to get people in front of you. You need to learn how to, you know, um, it's, whether it's you want to call it sell yourself, um, add value to clients, show them that you can, they can trust you as well. Um, develop relationships, that's a massive part of it. You want people to trust you, you have to be able to build relationships and connections with people. That's probably the main thing that you want to focus on um, initially. Like for me, I when I finished my uni degree, I really didn't have, I had a basic skill set, but I had a good business acumen. I could sell myself, I could build relationships with it really well because of my background in sales and what else. So that probably, and I developed a client base relatively quickly. Like I probably, you know, built a client base quicker than most. So, and without, with really out a skill set of knowing how to get results with people, that's something that I just really relied on from my mentors and, and um, everyone around me as well. So I think initially business, and then obviously you need to, as you get further and further in your career and you get more confident in your results, you'll be able to portray um, uh, the confidence will come through as well. So I think long-term it's more about getting a good mixture of both, but initially business. Yeah, well, what's the best way, what's the best way to learn or improve your coaching skill set? Well, literally run a shitload of sessions. Run as many sessions as you can. Yeah. So if I don't have a good business skill set, how like I know I know a heap of really good coaches yeah. who've co- have got heaps of knowledge and a really good um, coaching skill set, but, but the, they don't have the, they don't have any clients in front of them to exactly. to work it on. That's you know? a, it's a really good point because if you we always preach to our practitioners like from Kitty and Kitty and myself our point of view when we used to run you know um, eighty plus sessions a week the way we learned how to rehab the way we learned because we didn't have anyone teaching us. The way we learned those things is getting people in front of us and because we could sell ourselves quite well and we could market, we could network, um, we could add value, we could build relationships, the skill set came. And that and that's the easiest way, like you said. So definitely the business side of things is is the initial integral part of um, building a good foundational practitioner. Yeah, ex- well, I think like the scientifically best way to learn and remember things is um, and retain that information is by applying the information mm-hmm. straight away and applying it or teaching it to someone else. And that's the problem with uni at the moment because unless you're studying EP, ex science, physio, whatever, and you're working in that industry as a PT potentially at the moment, that's you know my best advice advice to some of these ex science, ex EP guys is. They're not applying it and they're, they're not going to uni and going, oh, here's some biomechanical assessments, here's some anatomy, physiology, whatever. They're not, in that week, they're not going, oh, here's a client that I can apply that to. Whereas if you're doing some training on the side or personal training, whatever it might be, you've got some application to that knowledge that you're learning. So 
the the retention of that knowledge is a lot a lot higher like um a lot of the times i think i read i read a in my early days i read a statistic where it's, it was like you know upwards of 90 percent not you retain knowledge if you can teach that to someone yeah and you think about our role right now as practitioners we teaching we're teaching clients on a day-to-day basis we're teaching practitioners on a day-to-day basis so our retention is a lot higher than most yeah and i think in my role as kind of i guess the education director like all everything that i learn and read i get the opportunity to teach it to all the other guys that we got um in front of it and we get to apply it in a work context as well but uh, i do but don't think for one second that i don't think your coaching skill set is important there's a lot of people out there who may have good business skill sets but they've got very bad coaching mm. skill sets but if you cannot get results with your clients, your clients won't stay. No. When we, there, you won't have any retention. Yeah, exactly. So I do think as a whole, we tend to shift towards uh, you know, uh, making ourselves the best practitioner possible by getting really good at the craft itself mm. of coaching, training, sets and reps, um, periodization, that type of thing. Um, and we should be doing that. But don't be neglecting the business side of things. Because when we talk about, uh, relating back to the question, the longevity of a client, like how many people get burnt out because they just, they're looking for clients to train in front of them, but they're sick of, you know, getting someone, someone loses, or they don't really have a good a good foundation of business knowledge or skills or um, or even like how the ability to sell themselves yeah. as well. The ability to actually price themselves at a uh price themselves at a point where they can actually make um you know enough money just to to live to pay the at bills. the end of the day i think a lot of practitioners undersell themselves as well and when they come in needy and desperate from a sales point of view the client's going to know that you can't come in needy and desperate you've got to come in as that you know we always talk about it, that high level professional you're the boss you're talking them through that plan um it's like you know you always say when you it's like when you go to a doctor does a doctor ask you if you want to, you know, a certain prescription, they're telling you, you no, know, this is what you need to do to get to X, Y, and Z result. Yeah, exactly. But I think when we think about that as well, doctors probably already have a certain perceived value. Exercise yeah. science, exercise physiology, you know, that's relatively new. Yeah. You have to kind of, I guess, distinguish yourself. You, but even you as a personal trainer, it's the same thing. Like people probably already have maybe a stigma around what a personal trainer looks like because they turned on the biggest loser one mm-hmm. time and they saw the commando with a sledgehammer yelling at someone. So they yeah. maybe think that's what it's going to be like, you know? Um, so I think you need to be able to sell yourself. And look, in this industry as well, sales, uh, you know, it can be often seen as a, a dirty word probably in health and fitness. Mm. Um, but being good at your craft, I don't believe is enough no. um, to A, attract clientele, and but B, more importantly, retain clientele as well. Mm. I, think the, I think the people that think it's a dirty word as well, like they're the people that, that actually can't get people in front of them. Like, yes, say, when we think of sales, we think of, you know, used car salesman and those types of things. But if you're good enough at your Jordan craft, Jordan Belfort, and you can, Wall yeah, if you're good enough at your craft and you can add value, you don't have to sell. Like you know, when we're prescribing a plan, we're not we're not going, you know, oh look at look at these results with this people. We're not going, oh here's all the bells and whistles. We're literally prescribing a plan to help improve that person's yeah. health. So and their life. I think I think our kind of like sales that we kind of do is merely just communicating to the client what it's going to take in order to get to their goals. Because I think a lot of the time, communication's 
a big thing that gets broken down. Like mm. if they don't understand what we have to do, because it does, if you've taken someone from day dot to get them yeah. somewhere, like there is a certain, there is a lengthy amount of time mm. that you're going to need in order to get them to a result. Cause that's just how the body works. That's how the body adapts. Like we're not manipulating or lying no. by any chance. We're merely just communicating in a way that they understand how the human body works and what it's actually going to take to get to their results in rehab all the time. Like how often do you see people who are in pain they go to the GP and they just prescribe them a little bit of like a cortisone injection or they something very reactive or go get this scan. Oh, your back's screwed. I guess you're going to have to just take these pills for the rest of your life. Or on the other end of the spectrum, you go, and this is an all physios, but you go down to a physio's office and it's like, you kind of get this glorified massage half the time because they're just trying to pump people in and out. And the reality is, yeah, in probably like a, you know, four week period, you could probably get someone feeling relatively pain free but are you doing the best to prevent that um, uh, prevent that uh, injury from ever coming back again? Mm. Or if we look in the sporting realm, what is it going to take in order to get me to a level where A, I'm going to reduce my risk of injury on the field, but B, increase my performance? This takes a long time mm. as well. And if you're just coming in to look for a quick fix, um, you know, it's not really the best way... You, the best use of your time, well, for our time anyway, to um, help you get to where you want to go. Mm. And I think where the, the allied health sale does go wrong or the health and fitness sale, whatever you want to call it, is where the communication gets lost. You know, that client comes in, where they, they finish the consult confused, they don't understand what you're talking about, um, you haven't added value and you haven't provided a solution to their problem or you've got the yeah. problem wrong. So there's so many things, how, you know, how we break it down from a sales point of view of, of where you've gone wrong. Um, but ultimately, it's it's betraying that message and making that client understand that you can help them with their, with their problem. And if and, it, and potentially, if you've got that problem wrong, then you've led yourself down the wrong path and that client's, you know, they're not going to believe you. And you've really got to show them that you're the one that can help them with that. Yeah, and that, provide that solution. And at the end of the day, even if you really are good at all of those other things and you can get someone in front of you a lot, but then you have to actually back up what you said yep. and get them the results as well. Hmm. So that's kind of where it comes hand in hand with your business skill set and your coaching skill set. I do think though people tend to lend, uh, lean they're... more towards you know, developing their coaching skill set over their business skill set. Yeah, I think you've got to do it alongside. Like you've got to go... Concurrently. You've got to, the best exactly, way to do it. You've got to go, exactly. You've got to do it concurrently. You've got to develop your business acumen potentially before you've even started and obviously work on it as you're going develop your results skill set and technical side of things as you're going concurrently with that as well. So then you can keep those clients and you can retain those clients. Because if you've got good trust, you've got good communication skills, you can retain them for a certain period of time. But if you're not getting results with those clients, they're gone. So you have to really develop that skill set and understand the biomechanics, um, the physiology, how the human body works and really get them the results so you can retain them. What client, if you said to any client right now, what if in six months' time we have achieved this, this result and we've, we've got an X, Y, and Z? There's no client in the world after six months' time, unless they've moved state or whatever, that aren't going to stay on board. Simple as that. Simple as that. And I mean, full circle again, you want to have longevity in this industry. How many coaches have we seen, good coaches, come through and they've just grind, grind, 
the hardest. They burn out because they don't have, they're really good coaches and they can help a lot of people, mm. but they're just, it's not viable for them and their family in the long term. Yeah. So they end up switching careers and going somewhere else, mm. often teaching. Yeah, I think at the end, at the end of the day, which is ironic. Yeah, yeah, it's like such a hard industry to be in, um, to to make money in it as well, you know. And we get into the industry because we want to we want to help people, but at the end of the day, you still need to make a living off it. And I think, co- good coaches can make good money in the industry. There there is money to be made, but you have to really want to help people, and you have to really master your craft before you can teach that to people as well. Like we talk about it all the time. It's it's about mastering that skill set so that you can pass that knowledge on. Yeah, and what's something that um, if there are some coaches out there listening at the moment, how can they help themselves, help market themselves, uh, and stand out from the crowd in an industry that is relatively saturated? That's a tough one. I think, I mean, the results speak, speak louder than words as well. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you can post as much as you want on social media, but if you're not getting people in the door in front of you, and they're not telling their friends. And they're not telling their partners, they're not telling their business owners, they're not telling their family, whatever it might be. There's really no not going to be a defi like a, a defining moment in in your career from that perspective. Like you really need to make sure that you're really looking after the people that are in front of you. Just as far as standing out from the crowd, I think just be yourself. Be the best practice. Don't try to be someone that you're not. Um, don't. We, we were talking earlier from a personality point of view. Everyone's going to have a different personality and persona, but don't try to be something that you're not. Your clients, will, you'll attract the type of client that you attract. Like I've got probably a lot of different clients than potentially you might have. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think maybe going back to like if you are a coach and you're struggling, I think obviously the best way to mark yourself is thinking digital, like digital media. All right, that's obviously like you know social media is a, a beast when it comes to marketing. Um, however, overly saturated. Mm. The best way um, that is proven now for marketing, what everyone else is doing at the moment, is it's called utility marketing. You need to, you need to be able to um, market yourself through providing value. All right, you need to, and people won't even touch you until they've seen at least they've been exposed to you at least twenty times before they even click on you and go and see what's going on. So the volume of that that you need to be putting out as well. Mm. Now, in saying that, I'm saying that knowing how uh, good that is, we probably need to do that a little bit better as well. But I think people put so much value on the social media side of things and they don't think of, um, you know, the soft skills, the the good word of mouth Mm. that they're going to have from the people that they got in front of them already. If you look back and you think of, uh, like we built all of our lists basically off um client referrals Mm. essentially like and because a we we do a good job and we get results with these people we build good relationships with them for one but if you think about every good restaurant you've ever been to guarantee you someone told you about it exactly you know i guarantee it was a referral from someone else it's the same thing as you as a coach it's the people that go above and beyond as well you think about like back to your point of a good restaurant if you go to a good restaurant what do you think Whenever I've been to a good restaurant, I've always, you know, you, yes, you go there, you might pay for your pizza, your pasta. You know, we talk Italian because I love Italian, whatever it might be. But not bocca. It, it's, it's fuck bocca. Jeez, <laughs> oh, but it's when it's when you go there and you get something that's unexpected, right? It's when you go there 
and they over deliver on the value. They exceed your expectations. Exactly. You you, like, for example, like we went to, um, I can't remember what restaurant it was, but it was, oh, I was in Bali actually. Yeah, I think I told you about this. But, um, you know, when they're good restaurant, premium restaurant, paid top dollar, X, Y, and Z, but I'm happy to pay that because what we got is, you know, a service that was beyond their expectations. You know, they brought out, you know, uh, welcome drinks, welcome bread. Didn't, obviously it's included in the price somehow, but um, they had this volcano type um, sea salt salad and those types of things and educated you on why it was coming out and what sides to put his, um, uh, here's our secret herbs and spices that we usually put on this. Um, but it's exceeding those expectations and people are happy to pay top dollar for things that I guess are outside of that realm that, that are different as one. Well. I think that's what probably what, what we bring to the table quite well. Um, it's ex- exceeding people's expectations. See, if I'm charging $105 for a session, I'm going to give you $130, $140 worth of value every single time I see you. Exactly. Over, always have to under-promise and over-deliver. Yeah. Or you have to over-deliver on their expectations and then you, every and single then time. People always harp on about, oh, I don't want to rise my price. But you're never going to have an issue with, with rising prices if you're delivering if more you value. Provide, if you provide enough value, 100%. And if we look at the, if you're in the, in the industry and you're listening to this, um, the conglomerate now that is kind of Athletes Authority and how well they've done marketing themselves. I was listening to a podcast with them the other day. Um, they say that even though they're, they're huge on um, their digital side of things and their digital marketing and all their systems around that, they've built more, they, their majority of their clientele comes from um, word of mouth referrals yeah. from their from already existing clients because mm. they go home and they tell them about their friends they tell them how good yeah. this is and the community that they got involved so yeah I do I do think um, digital media and digital marketing is really important and you need to be doing that but if you're only doing that and you're not improving your service as a whole and also yeah. looking to your you to your clientele to your existing clientele as well like um you, you're never going to you're never going to build your list fully mm. so i think for us personally like we've done built our list way more just from yeah. our client referrals probably more so than our social media side of uh, presence definitely however does that mean we're not going to try and improve no. and upscale our social media presence um, absolutely, because that's going to give us more reach to more people in the long term. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, we want to provide enough utility because, you know, ambition of our business mm. is also to provide awareness and, you know, and change the, I guess, you know, essentially change the industry, you know, or leave a meaningful impact on yeah. the industry. Change the standard of delivery as well. Change the standard. I think, like going back to that point, if, you know, I know we're dragging on here, but if you think about it, when you, let's say you like for me anyway if i want to find a good restaurant i want to find a good service i'm going to type in google you know best so-and-so or best so-and-so on sunshine coast best so-and-so in sydney Mm. like obviously you've got google ads and those types of things but the point is people aren't going to go to a mediocre service people want to experience the highest of the highest you know i'm not going to go to a personal trainer that's mediocre and has no clients right i want to go to the busiest person possibly if i'm going to a physio i'm typing in best yeah. physio x y and z but i want to have but that's generally going to come from word of mouth because everyone's going to be talking about that if you can do a good enough job with someone they are literally your your clients are your walking and talking billboards so well if there's two restaurants side by side and you see one that's hmm. busy tough to get into and there's one that's not busy yeah. at all which one are you going to be more leaning to exactly. go towards you walk into the big good life world gyms the busiest the busiest trainers 
are the ones that are there all the time, first of all, but they're the ones with all the amount of clients because everyone goes, oh shit, that person must be pretty good because he's always with someone. Yeah, 100%. Right. Which, going back to what we were saying earlier, the more people get in front of you, the more you're going to learn to upskill your yeah. craft and everything as well. So, how to market yourself in a saturated industry and stand out from the crowd? Just, I think, get really good at your craft. Get good at... First of all... Service. Build up, yeah, build your service up. Um, build your service up. Be busy. All right, get more, pe- get more people in front of you. Um, utilize, utilize social media and utilize it with and lead sorry with um utility and provide with social media value. as well pitch yourself as that expert like you want to you want to be the person that people want to approach as well you know you, it doesn't have to be a certain point but it, it just you've just got to be that person the go-to person if i've got back pain i want to go matt ratto back pain like it, it, it's it's i'm gonna i'm not gonna look at someone who's second best if, if that makes sense you're the, like if you're first or you're last really yeah exactly so i think there's those so to summarize that, just so I put it in my head. First one, use use your online presence, lead with value, lead with utility, and do that as often as you can. Project yourself as the expert in that field. Mm. Or not even like even if you like to I, I don't really like it too much when people are out there like they've been in the industry like, you know, two months and they're calling themselves a specialist or something. Mm. Or, you know, you're calling yourself a high performance coach and you never actually worked with anyone in a high performance industry obviously lead with honesty i think first because people can see through that stuff straight away lead with honesty um document kind of like your experiences along the way provide a lot of value a lot of content um as you're uh, as you're learning um and share that share that journey with people and then also be looking to build yourself up um from looking to your existing clients what are their friends doing Mm. um and just be there and exceed their expectations i think that's the best way to kind of market yourself yeah and definitely stand out from the crowd as well and look a big one uh to wrap this one up last question a big one um i think that a lot of people struggle with uh especially probably in this industry as well because there is a lot of autonomy to this uh to this industry especially if you start if you're not part of a team like pretty much every personal trainer out there is autonomous and how they run their business so how do you feel how do you stop procrastination and increase urgency and i want this twofold how do you do that for your how do you do that to your team if you've got a team that's under you how do you help increase urgency within them and uh if you uh just someone who's out there as a personal trainer or a solo kind of um practitioner how do i help or stop myself from procrastinating increase urgency within my business and my role well i think from our i guess firstly from a team point of view the biggest thing for us is goal setting well that's one of the biggest things and really understanding why you're doing something. Yeah. Like, I think it comes back to that. I think... So do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Like why we're yeah. talking about the why behind our goals? Yeah, I think it comes... Even from a client perspective, you've got an emotional connection to something, you're more likely to be attached to that feeling and understand what it's going to feel like when in hindsight when you've done those things as well. So it's like, oh, okay, you know, I want to lose weight. Okay, but why do you want to lose weight? Oh, I want to lose weight to feel good. Okay, why do you want to feel good? Oh, I want to feel good to, you know, have more confidence in myself. Okay, why do you want to have more confidence in yourself? Oh, I want to have more confidence because I want my kids to look at me in a certain way, right? Yeah. So it's kind of we'll a get compounding chicks. effect. 
yeah, get chicks if, if, <laughs> if you're dumpers. Uh, um, so it's, it just comes back to the, that emotional connection of why I'm doing something. A big part of it's like setting personal and professional goals. So for our guys, we um, use that driving factor of, of obviously, you know, your annual vision and your annual annual goals but it's like what are you what does that look like long term so if i'm asking you matt what is your long-term vision your you know if i ask you that question right now you're asking me that right i'm asking you right now yeah so you know for your let's let's go you know personally personally what do you want to well what's your driving I, factor right my well my driving my driving factor i think well let's well if we go back to when i guess i first met you you sold me i guess on the vision <laughs> of the company and what it could be and what yeah. um, what it was and at the time i don't think there was any, I didn't think there was anything like that. It was a career in a, um, a career in a role that is exercise science, working with people, um, lifting, you know, helping be a driving force behind lifting the standard, um, of the way that allied health and, uh, exercise science and performance is driven, um, on the Sunshine Coast and actually like a career that can be, uh, long term, not just a job, just more yeah, a, a job, a career that is long term, sustainable, um, that can also be profitable as well, yeah. which then has to link up with, I guess, my personal vision as yeah. well, which is you know where I want to live, yeah. what type of car do I want to drive, what house do I want to drive, how many holidays do I want to go on a year. You know that that ties back into what does Matt want to do, what is what does his day look like? We go through through certain things like what you know what do you what do you, what does your Monday to Friday look like? So we've done that plenty of times, and I think and what know, do you want it to look like? What do you want to do yeah. when you're 20 years in time? And that's not to say that it hasn't changed along the way. Oh, you, mate, you're always changing. You can't make your mind up. But that's that's beside the point. That doesn't matter. It's going to change no matter who you are. But the driving factor behind our practitioners is they understand that if they're not putting in the work and they're procrastinating things, then that's one day that they have to accept that they're not going to get to their vision. Or their goal, and so, yeah, and and it just keeps putting back that goal over time. And same with clients, if they don't get their session in, they don't get their diet sorted. That's one day back again. That got that. If you if you're comfortable pushing back that goal, I always say to some of the young guys, if you're comfortable pushing back that goal, then that's you procrastinating. If you're not comfortable, make it happen. Work work with what you got. Yeah, and I think like when we look at someone, uh, when I look to someone like you, I think. Um, you probably set like a pretty good example in terms of the obviously not being um, procrastinating. Urgency is kind of everything. Let's just get it done. Let's just get it done now. Um, what a kind of like maybe let's go. I remember you wrote down like a big list of strategies one time uh, when in one of our developments. Yeah, and have just little things for, to help with time management. Oh, there's a few like um, like and don't get me wrong, I'm not a perfect human. Like I'll I'll procrastinate all the time. Um, but for me, I, one of the, one of the biggest things that I struggle with as a business owner is having tough conversations. And I've, I think I've learned now to have those tough conversations early on in whether it's a practitioner or, a, um, you know, a business partner or a, a potential owner or whatever it might be is have them early on. And you'll be so much more thankful of having that conversation early on. And the person will be thankful for having that conversation early on as well. Um, because you would have learned so much from that. And it's much better to have that. Um, I guess initial conversation with someone rather than wait six months time and go shit we should have really done something about that so there's a there's a procrastination procrastination that I'm working on currently um, but as far as like little strategies like you can use things like the two minute rule just try to start it for two minutes and you generally will get it done 
Yeah. Um, obviously scheduling things. And the thing is, not every there's no one solution for everyone. Um, well, let me give you an example that works for me. All right? Because I definitely am someone who probably on occasion um, does struggle with procrastination. I think first thing I've got to do is I've got to get my phone the hell away from me. Because I'll just, you know, I'll be on there, get a message, I look at the phone, it takes me away from what I'm doing and then I don't do it. I think that two-minute rule is a really good one. Once you just start doing something, you generally just do end it. up getting into it and you're like, oh, this isn't actually as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's more the kind of the thought of having to get it all done. But once you start it, you can kind of enjoy the process as you're getting along there. Um, and I think for me, it's it's creating systems. Um, anything that's systemized is repeatable and I can just keep I can just keep doing it. I think stuff like, um time planning or time plotting as they say give yourself kind of like a window to do Mm. a certain task and usually you will kind of you will get it done like sometimes you know i might draw something out for like four hours or something that i really could have got done in an hour um so i think writing and making sure it's scheduled and then you just gotta and then you just gotta be disciplined with yourself in order to do it and you know there's heaps of different strategies that you can use but at the end of the day if you're not disciplined with yourself and what you got to do or you know you need someone to hold you accountable Mm. to that i think that works better for me as well i think accountability is is a big one too like if you need someone to be accountable yourself whatever it might be do that um another one we use with some of the guys is like i guess um having you know obviously scheduling but having something like in your day that you know that you need to do that's like a non-negotiable so um and that's just that's just kind of that's for you that's that's you time and that's something that you have to do every single day and that's going to give you that fulfillment as well so i think for me i've spoken about it before it's like it's either working out for me or walking on the beach or something like that and i try to do i might not walk on the beach every day but i definitely try to work out most days more than anything and that's going to give you that peace of mind and give me the ability to get on get on with my day no matter when i'm working out yeah for me get to the end of the week and know that your team's going to um flog richmond yeah. At the end of the day, you know, little things like that. Take the little wins when you can. All right. Well, Maddie, if you're listening to this on the plane, I'll try and get this out to you as quick as I can. Um, so you've got something to listen to. 45 minutes long. Not too bad. Yeah. Or just under. All right. See you well, next one. I will guess I will see you in a month's time. And we got some guests to, uh, guests to come. And just mm. another reminder that the mentorship will be kicking off October 3rd. Um, and if you are interested in that, please reach out via socials or click the link in the description below. Peace. Peace.